Better than this, guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the show, and we're going to talk about playoffs? Playoffs? Kyle, welcome. I don't know how to follow that up, to be honest with you. That was on point, Jim Mora. Yeah. So our daily impression's been fulfilled, thank you. (laughs) Ooh, that's a new goal. I like that. That's kind of fun. A daily impression. 98% of the time, that's going to be on you to fulfill it. But once in a while, I'll sneak in with one. But I was going to say the ones that you hit are going to be <laughs> just prime prime real estate. They're going to be excellent. One day, I'll have to break out the Stitch impersonation. Oh, please. Yeah. I'll never forget the first time I heard Stitch. <laughs> Don't expect it, right? Right. Yeah. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. I sometimes forget I can do it. And then I, it's, there's this shock value there and, uh, you know, it's a good moment sometimes. So, all right, here we go. Here's my first gripe about the playoffs this week before we get even, even get into the matchups. I really liked how last weekend they had the AFC games on one day and the NFC games on the other. They're splitting them up this week, and I do not like the advantage that the teams that play on Saturday get because they have that extra time to rest, prepare, and game plan. Well, then you should have, if you don't like it, then you should have tried harder and got the one seed because that's the one seed's play on Saturday. So they just give every advantage for the one seed, huh? Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about that, Kyle. You kidding me? You think I know the real benefits of the one seed haven't been there? It's 94, probably. Well, that's funny. I'm, I'm sitting here on NFL.com reading. Uh, it's got the four games across the top that are being played this weekend, and the article that caught my eye was the top 10 NFL games of the 2010s. Yeah. And they're all playoff games. or th- All of them except for one are playoff games. And I'm like, imagine. Imagine thinking that my team was going to have a game on this list. <laughs> you just checked it anyways. Thought there was a chance. Yeah. Miami yeah, miracle, okay. right? I mean, there's been some finishes, right. but yeah, but moments. Nope. no, yeah. no top yeah. 10 NFL games. It's, it's like <laughs> week five, 2013 came in 10 and that was Manning versus uh, Romo. And it was when Denver won 51, 48. So they took a regular season game that scored literally 99 points to get on the list. (laughs) Otherwise, the memorable moments in football are the playoffs, and we have playoffs this weekend. Yes. All right. And uh, do we want to go in just chronological order, start with uh, the one seeds and and go from there? Yeah. Uh, Vikings, 49ers, uh, Minnesota coming off their big win over the Saints. The 49ers resting up with their shiny 13-3 and record. Kyle, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about this matchup? Uh, how big of a game can Dalvin Cook have? I think it's the first thing that comes to my mind. San Francisco has not played with the same dominance they played the first half of the season. They've still played quite well. But uh, Dalvin Cook has had some time to uh, 
throughout the course of his first few years in the NFL, you know, he battled through injuries and and this year he looks like the guy that a lot of people thought that he could be coming out of Florida State. And Dalvin Cook had a tremendous year this year. He, you know, he rushed for 13 touchdowns and he didn't play in the final two weeks of the regular season against Green Bay and Chicago. And uh, they seem to have got him right and he's ready to rumble. And uh, how many touchdowns Dalvin Cook had before this year, Joe? Before this year, um, two played, seasons. Two seasons. I don't know. Played six. in 15 games. 15 games. I'll say he had six touchdowns. That's correct. He did have six touchdowns. He had 13 this year total. So he more than doubled his career touchdown total. Uh, just to give you an impact, it obviously 53 receptions, 519 yards receiving. So this is kind of like, look, I know they got Stephon Diggs and I know they got Adam Thielen. And I think the number two corner spot in San Francisco is going to be a really big matchup for Minnesota to try and exploit. Uh, I would expect them to leave Sherman on an island with whoever they choose to match him up with and rotate the safety the other way to kind of bracket either Thielen or Diggs, whoever that other guy is. So Dalvin Cook's going to have to be the engine for this offense, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I I do like San Francisco's front seven and its personnel there to uh, maybe take some of that away. And, you know, I, I don't know that Minnesota has the most physical offensive line. Obviously, they're zone scheme and so they really rely on angles and stuff like that and I mean look at these dudes that San Francisco has between Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa and uh, Sheldon Day gets some run there I mean those guys are long physical dudes that could really hold at the point and really challenge you to widen those gaps and so I, I like that matchup and then you have you know obviously Fred Warner playing over top of that and getting downhill and Dre Greenlaw's played pretty well for them lately especially in coverage so I like a lot of how that front seven has answers for that Minnesota rushing attack. But, you know, you mentioned Sherman being able to match up with Thielen or Diggs, but then that other guy I think is going to have some real opportunity to carve him up. And then obviously the tight end situation with Kyle Rudolph and and what they can do there. I, I It's interesting. I, I, I sort of like how San Francisco, for the most part, matches up defensively and has a chance to really kind of neutralize what Minnesota does well. I would agree with that. I would say the only thing to watch here is San Francisco kind of sneakily averaged 113 yards on the ground last year, which was very middle of the road for run defense in the league. Um, so I would expect Minnesota's going to take that approach of slow the game down, yeah, try and play keep like let's keep it low scoring. If it's 20 to 14 at the end of the day, then we feel like we've given ourselves a chance to win. How much does things like meeting the moment come into play when you think about Jimmy G in this game? You know, I I know he's had, he's went toe to toe with in some big games this year, but this is, I think this is probably his first playoff start, right? Am I, unless I'm just overlooking something that happened in the past. I mean, no, you're uh, right. I mean, he's been in the league for a bit, but it's his first playoff game. And does, does that factor in at all for you? I think that that certainly is the scary unknown, right? But the good news for San Francisco is they have good pass catchers who can create things after the catch, and they have a really good running game that they'll be able to lean on. But Minnesota, if they can make San Francisco get one-dimensional and create some negative plays early in, in possessions for San Francisco... That's when you'll see the pressure dialed up on Jimmy G and he's got to deliver. 
Um, so on one side of the coin, you got a quarterback in Kirk Cousins, who up until this past game against uh, the Saints in the playoffs has continuously failed to deliver. And then you have a guy on the other side in Jimmy G that you have no idea what you're going to get. So mm-hmm. I think that's the big X factor for this game for me. Um. All right. So it's a seven point spread. The 49ers are favored. I, I, I like the 49ers at home. What is your score prediction? Um, I will say 28 to 21. Okay. I'll go 24. 24, 17, San Francisco. All right. So one score game, we both think Minnesota's got a puncher's chance in this game and they're a little bit hot and sometimes like riding the emotion of a big win and then a team that's kind of been on the sideline there for two weeks, you know, maybe they can ride that momentum into a, a, a divisional round upset. Uh, then we come with the nightcap there, 8, 8-15. Um, Titans at Ravens. Kyle, your number one thing you talk no, about. No, I just matchup. gave my number one thing. You got to give your number one thing. My number one thing here is I really like Tennessee's defensive scheme and how multiple it is and how they are able to really present a lot of different looks. Um, and I think they've got some really good personnel here when I think about how they would match up against Lamar Jackson and, and this Ravens offense. Um, you know, Rashawn Evans is is a really athletic, physical linebacker that can get sideline to sideline. J.N. Brown has plenty of range. Um, Harold Landry is a guy that has that lateral mobility to win. You know, if he's tested and put in conflict on on the edges, um, they got some friggin' stallions up front and Jeffrey Simmons, Jarrell Casey, and Daquan Jones. Man, those guys don't just get easily moved. And then Austin Johnson, one of the key backups, he's a guy that can really hold at the point. And so, like low key, I sort of like how this front seven gives them a chance against a really dynamic Baltimore Ravens rushing attack that is inclusive of so many different pieces. Um, you know, I think Tennessee's got a veteran secondary and they've got ball hawks and playmakers back there. So like, like low key, this is kind of why I, I believed in Tennessee all season long is because I really like this defense. And, you know, the X factor to me is obviously what does Tennessee's offense do against this Ravens defense? I mean, they're going to ride Derrick Henry, but, you know, Baltimore is a defense that will blitz everyone all the time. I mean, they their blitz frequency is off the charts and they're willing to just go cover zero and just send the house, man. And like, is Tannehill going to be able to sit in the pocket and deliver and handle that? You know, I, I know that he's got some weapons that he can get the ball out quick to, but man, like when you're put in that type of, of stressful moments, like you're going to have to respond and find outlets. And so, you know, I, I wonder how much of that aggressive attack takes away guys like Derrick Henry but then, you know, if, if Tannehill can get guys like Deion Lewis and Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, the ball out in space, those are all really good yak guys. You know, they have a chance. So, like, low-key, I sort of like some of the opportunities that Tennessee is going to have. Can Tannehill sit in the pocket and hit those strikes? Call me crazy, but based on Baltimore's pressure tendencies – and based on Tennessee's traditional run-heavy offense, would it would you not like to see Tennessee come out here and pop a lot of RPOs in this game? I should. Yeah. Because that way you have even even if you want to tag 
pass routes on the back end of, of runs, giving yourself the flexibility to get up under center, have your run run calls designated and you're, and you're ready to do so. And then if Baltimore decides they want to suck those linebackers up and they, they want to charge the A-gaps, just pull the ball and throw it on a slant. And I know that's easier said than done, but like with A.J. Brown, you got a big physical guy that can win from the slot and, and can win positioning. And he can can hurt you after the catch with how physical he is. So I, I think Tennessee's going to need some sleight of hand here to continuously move the football against Baltimore. My X factor for Tennessee on defense is who's the guy that's going to tackle Lamar coming out of the mesh. You're going to have to have a guy that can consistently finish in those spaces. Listen, if you've read Twitter this week, like you've, you've seen the debates on how the hell do you stop Baltimore? How do you contain Baltimore? Watch the Buffalo. Well, you know, and what did Buffalo do that was so different than what everybody else did? Um, they paid, played Lorenzo Alexander heavy off ball and allowed him to chase and Shaq Lawson on the strong side. So you're going to have to have a guy on the strong side of the set who's going to collapse it so it forces Lamar to get width instead of getting downhill in a hurry. And you're going to have to have a dynamic athlete on the back end of the ball. Is that right? Yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the Bills stayed stayed regular a ton against them. Um, and the Bills, you know, they, they, they're they in nickel probably a good good percentage. They're, not, they're, they're in base. I think normally Zoe plays 10 to 15 snaps a game at Sam Linebacker. So, I mean, whatever percentage of that of what is a normal game, like 60, 65 snaps or something like that. Yeah, I think you got to be able to win from base defense. But, you know, Tennessee's so multiple with their fronts. They're three, four, you know, a lot of times. So who are those guys on Tennessee's defense? Give me the Lorenzo Alexander and Shaq Lawson on Tennessee's defense. Well, that's what's really weird about them is they have like three defensive tackles. It's They don't have those like true defensive ends. It's Jeffrey Simmons and Jarrell Casey are kind of like their five techs when they go, you know, odd fronts. And then they walk up Harold, uh, Harold Landry and Camelia uh, Correa. So it's so they don't so that they don't have it. You're so going to have to play. You're going to have to ask Jeffrey Simmons, hypothetically, to play an extra gap outside. Yeah, and that makes me nervous. You're going to put him in conflict instead of, you know, a traditional four. Right. Three defensive and, end. and if if you bubble that, they're going to give the ball to Ingram. Well, this is the, the problem for the teams trying to face Baltimore all year. Here's here's another thing, man. Like Baltimore's got extra time here, so as, as difficult as their offense is, they've kind of had a chance to self scout and maybe add some new wrinkles, you know. And that's that's another piece of this that makes it even more challenging for Tennessee. So. Give me Baltimore in this game. <laughs> it's a ten point spread, Kyle. Ten. I was I was gonna say I, I would I did not know what the spread was, but I was gonna say give me Baltimore by ten. Oh man. Okay, I will pick Tennessee to cover. How about that? Ravens me, win, Titans cover. What's the final? Um twenty seven to eighteen. Oh, you prick. I was going to do 27, 17. Okay. I'll do 30. I'll do 31, 21. All right. Baltimore. So if Baltimore wins by 10 or more, you get it right. If they win by less than 10, I get it right. 
Correct. Well, I was 0-4 last week, so I can't wait to feels good to feels have good. the shining success here. <laughs> hey, listen, we can't kick ourselves too much because 2018, the wild card round, the road teams went 4-0. <laughs> okay. And this year, the wild card round, the road teams went 3-1. and So wild card wait, round. Wait, so the Bills were the only friggin' road team that didn't win? Correct. Damn. In the last two years. Damn it. The Mafia. Jesus, man. Had a chance. <laughs> I shouldn't have told you that. You're going to lose sleep tonight thinking no, about that. I will lose sleep for other reasons, but it will not be that, I assure you. Okay. So moving on to the Sunday slate, three o'clock kick. Why, yeah, why three o'clock kick? What the hell kick? is this? You're going to make me wait two more hours? Yeah, Nonsense. I don't like this. I guess because it's central time zone, I suppose, but yeah. I still don't like it. I don't have to like it. We have Houston. Against Kansas City in Arrowhead. And Joe, if I'm thinking about this game, I'm asking myself, can the Houston Texans get a repeat performance out of J.J. Watt against the Chiefs? And if they do, then you can have some semblance of hope that you can cause enough disruption in Kansas City's pocket that Lamar or that uh, Lamar, that Patrick Mahomes is not going to sit back there and just lob bombs and tear you apart and attack this ta- or injury riddled secondary. Brother, the Chiefs are going to mop the floor with the Texans. This is a nightmare matchup for Houston. Their secondary is terrible. They play poorly together. You have all these dynamic weapons for. Uh, for Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, you've got a great game planner and play caller in Andy Reid. Like they're, I mean, Kansas City's hanging forty on the on the on the Texans. There's no oh doubt in my mind. Oh, oh my, that defense is crap, dude. They gave up over four hundred yards to the Bills. You realize these teams played earlier this season. What was the result? I don't actually care about it, but what's the result? Texans at Chiefs in Arrowhead. Texans yeah. won thirty-one twenty-four. Was it was it Matt Moore or whoever the quarterback was? No, uh, Mahomes. Deshaun versus Mahomes. Oh. Watts, Watson threw for two hundred and eighty and a touchdown. Mahomes threw for two hundred and seventy three and three touchdowns. Carlos Hyde was the difference maker. Carlos Hyde had twenty six carries for one hundred sixteen yards. I'm not. I'm not coming off my stance here. I think Houston's defense is playing worse. What a weird game this was. This Kansas City was up at the end of the first quarter, 17 to 3. Yeah, that's about what I would expect. And then Houston scored 20 unanswered points in the second quarter to go into halftime up 23-17. Kansas City up 24-23 at the end of the third. Houston scores a touchdown late in the game. Five minutes left. Uh, and then gets a two-point conversion. They win. Houston, Houston's game-winning drive was 12 plays, 93 yards, and took 8 minutes and 32 seconds. Houston had a 40-minute to 20-minute time of possession advantage. So Kansas City's defense took a nap here? Like what? Yeah, uh, Houston had 472 yards of offense, 35 first downs, and they had three turnovers. Like Houston's offense gave the ball away three times, and Houston still won the game. Pretty surprising stuff. Wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't have expected to hear any of that that information. Um, but here's the bad news. Okay. 
we talk about how it's difficult to beat the same team twice, especially when you're not familiar opponents. And to, to your point, Houston got them the first time and they're coming back to play in the exact same scenario. So do you think that that gives Kansas city something a little extra to work with? I think so. I think that's to Kansas city's benefit. Um, you're not going to mop the floor with them twice. So in one season. So I'm glad to hear that that already happened where they lost the game. And, and I, I feel good about the way the chiefs are playing, you know, look at, look at their last, their recent games, man. If you go back to December 1st, They've held opponents to 9, 16, 3, 3, and 21 points. I mean, this defense is playing a lot better, and Houston is a slow-starting team on offense, and their defense just sucks. So I'm about I'm about some Kansas City Chiefs in this game. You know who the leading rusher is in Kansas City this year? <laughs> uh, I, I would guess Damian Williams. How many yards do you think Damian Williams has? 402. 498. Yeah, they've they've wrote their their backs have been it's them and Shady, Shady had 465. Yeah. So it, it's not it's not a big market share there. What is what did Darwin Thompson do here if you had those stats open? Uh 37 carries for 128 yards. <laughs> and as a receiver, he had 10 catches for 43 or nine catches for 43 yards on 10 targets. Maybe the chiefs do need to draft JK Dobbins. Listen, brother. I remember when Darwin Thompson was a folk hero. Oh, listen this time last year, you know, you got to have vision, man (laughs) matters for running back. Who did you just, you just slandered somebody for Uh, bad vision. I need to watch more tape. (laughs) I need to watch a little more tape. I was watching Hunter Bryant this morning at 3 a.m., okay? So uh, I I wasn't focused on the guy that I slandered, but man, there were some moments in that game I thought I was watching Kalen Balazs. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) We'll leave it there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I need to to flush out that take a little more. So you think Kansas City cakewalks this game? Yep. Absolutely. They cover the 10 points. What's the final? What's the final? Uh, 40 to 28. 40 to 28. Yeah, I, I want my 40 burger and I want them cover. I feel so lame because like I have the same general takes as you, but I keep like cutting like four points off or adding four points on for each team and that's it. And the discrepancies are the same. Um, I'll, t- How about... Kansas City 35, Houston 31. I mean, you're thinking of, you're you're I mean that's can't miss if this if Watson and Mahomes are gonna go, you know, three four point game and then right. I set mean, your it, set your clocks here, guys. Might be a garbage time touchdown from Houston. I don't know. But I just want to make it interesting versus the numbers that you keep throwing out because we're we're thinking very similar for the outcomes of the game. But for the sake of keeping it interesting, like I'll come down off my spread a little bit, my personal spread for this game. All right. And then we've got Green Bay hosting Seattle. They've already requested for volunteer snow shovelers for the game, Joe. Oh, really? <laughs> I cannot wait. I can't wait. Oh, that's great. Lambo in January, and there's going to be snow here for it. So go ahead and tell me your X factor for this football game. Man, I, I the like both of these offenses are really struggling right now um, in terms of what you would want to see. (laughs) 
I mean, with Seattle's very unsettled backfield situation and then becoming very reliant per usual on Russ being able to, you know, make magic tricks and the success he's been able to find hitting DK Metcalf, all of that's very exciting. But, you know, I think the Packers for a couple of offenses that aren't playing that well, I think I have more belief in them, especially in a game where it sounds like the run game is going to be a big factor. And, um, you know, I, I like Green Bay's opportunities to run the ball, but at the same time, they haven't been a good run defense this year. And Mike Pettin historically has been a terrible coordinator of run defense. And so in a game where that's probably going to matter the most, I get a little bit nervous about, you know, Green Bay being able to shut down the run, which has been a problematic thing for them at, this year, but also in the history of Mike Pettin's tenure as an NFL defensive coordinator. So can Green Bay stop the run, which I have optimism because we know it's going to be, you know, Travis Homer and Marshawn Lynch. And, you know, this is not this is not vintage Lynch. I mean, he has some flashes, but my goodness, like he's you can tell he's 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 aging and he doesn't have the same juice that he's maybe had previously in his career, which is expected. But that's the guy that they're going to have to lean on in addition to Travis Homer in a game like this. So I, I think that some of Green Bay's concerns stopping the run are somewhat mitigated by the backfield there. But at the same time, you can you can still pass the ball in the snow. And, you know, if I like Green Bay secondary, but, you know, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, those dudes are like those are challenging guys to deal with. And if you don't tackle well, you know, they're going to house it on you. So this game, I think the snow is a bit of a neutralizer in this game when I think about it. So, so what who do you think? Who do you think wins this game? Green Bay at home. Give me Seattle. Really? Here's why. Think about what trump cards each team has at their disposal. You've got, as you said, the snow is a great equalizer. It's going to help slow down the, the pass rush that Green Bay has with Zadarius Smith and Preston Williams as guys that have come in this year and, and really helped kind of kickstart that unit. You've got a special quarterback on both sides of the ball, but which one of those two special quarterbacks has the ability to more consistently beat you with his legs? I mean, Russ, but Russ. So if you're going to tell me the pass rush is going to slow down, and then you have the ability with a quarterback to win with his legs more so than the other quarterback if the snow gets nasty. And then you have a physical runner in Marshawn Lynch, who I think is going to get a healthy serving. This is going to be like an ugly, if it, if it snows, it's going to be an ugly, sloppy game. And I think Seattle wins like 14-10. Um, neither one of these, well, oh, I'm on the wrong thing here. One second, regular season stats. On one postseason. Yeah. Russ is wrong. I mean, Aaron Rodgers used to be a very productive runner and not no mo. No, he really isn't. I mean, in Russ, Russ is 75 rushes for 342 yards this year and a touchdown. So, you know, he's been, he's been more willing this year and obviously more productive. So I think, that's a that's a fair point, but we are talking about a Seattle team that won by a touchdown 
against an Eagles team with Josh McCown and literally everyone hurt. I mean, Seattle's not like playing great ball right now. No, I didn't say they were. But I think this is what we talked about at the beginning of the week. It's okay to say Seattle is not playing good football or is not a good football team in the lexicon of good football teams. But when the guy that's under or behind center for them is Russell Wilson, I don't think you can say there's no chance they win their next game. Of course not. I and still I'm gonna like bank on I'm gonna bank on Russ making some magic happen because you know if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson, Russ is your MVP this year because he's played tremendous football all season. Give me the Green Bay Packers. I also couldn't just sit here and pick all the ro- all the home top seats to win. I mean, I, I certainly respect that. I don't know that I don't know that Seattle would be the road team I would pick though. I'm okay, so then if you were to pick a upset this weekend, who would it be? Seems like you'd pick Minnesota. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm thinking in my head that I, I can I can drum up enough belief in Minnesota on the road. Imagine doubting our San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> yeah, you set that up for me. That's what I cannot imagine. Hope you guys enjoy the games this weekend. That's going to do it for us here on the show. Uh, We will be back again on Monday to talk about, well, Joe, I'll be at, I'll be in (laughs) St. Pete on Monday. Yeah. We should probably talk a little bit about the natty, huh? Yeah. We're going to have to talk about the preview, the natty on Monday and then react to the natty on takes on takes. I think we'll we'll have have to, to we'll have to sync up because you'll be in St. Pete. Yep. I'll be on the road for, uh, the East West Shrine game next week and Shrine Bowl. Shrine Bowl. I know they changed it this year. I'm going to get it wrong every time I say it. So I've already accepted it. Wait, Kyle, a little story there. Do you know that I've always said Shrine Bowl and people yelled at me because it's Shrine game? And the reason why is the big uh, high school football all star game in North Carolina is the Shrine Bowl. And so I've never oh, been able to. Right. Oh, it's it, this has been, I've been needing this for a long time. So, so congratulations yeah. on, on getting that one right now. Yeah, well, I'm happy for you. Lucky, you know. (laughs) So we'll talk about the Natty on Monday. We'll get our schedules lined up and talk to you guys again. Uh, Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast.